The Limitless Roofing Show, episode number 38. Welcome to the Limitless Roofing Show. My name is Dylan McCabe, and in every episode, we give you a seat at the table as we talk with other roofing owners, and we talk with them about how they started their companies, the challenges they faced, how they overcame those challenges, and how they grow and scale and differentiate themselves in a very crowded market. Now, in this episode, we're going to be talking with Crystal Watterson. She's one of the owners of Greater American Roofing, and they have figured out a way to be very successful at higher-end luxury roofing systems. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about the challenges and the methods of working with family. They've, they've hired a lot of family members. So you're going to want to hear Crystal's story. It's a very unique story, and you're going to get some key insights that you can take to your own business. And, and I want you to listen as a learner. How can this help you grow and remove the limits on your own leadership and business. Now, before we jump into that interview, I want to reiterate that we have created a special group for you. As you operate your business on your own, it's very challenging to grow your business on your own. You know, making sure you're making the right decisions, making sure you're buying the right way, making sure you're using the right technology. Well, we have the Limitless Group, and it's designed to help you save connect and grow with other roofing owners. So we help you save because as a group, we negotiate deals on roofing services and supplies. So we have an amazing deal with SRS Distribution that uh, is very unique to our group. We also have deals with service providers for things like general liability insurance, healthcare insurance, even marketing and lead generation. You can see the whole list on our website. But you save lots of money. In some cases, some of our owners are saving over $20,000 a year just by being a member of the group because of the collective buying power of the group. In addition to that, we help you connect and grow as you connect with other owners in our monthly mastermind. You will be blown away by that experience and getting to bounce ideas off of other owners, getting them to ask you questions about your business, getting their feedback, and removing the limits on your own knowledge and experience as an owner so that you can truly get your company to where you want it to be over the next three years, five years. That's the goal of the group. We are stronger together. If you have any questions about that, just go to our website, roofinggpo.com. That's roofinggpo.com or just Google search Limitless Buying Group on Google and schedule a short meeting. It is it is worth your time to make sure you're not leaving money on the table when you could immediately save a lot by just by joining the group. All right, guys, hope that's um, helpful to you. Now let's jump into this discussion with Crystal Watterson. As I mentioned, we have a special guest on the show today, Crystal Watterson from Greater American Roofing. So, Crystal, thanks for being on the show. Hey, Dylan. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's good stuff. I'm excited uh, because you guys, we got to know you guys several months ago, and uh, you're doing some really cool stuff with Jen Silver to help equip um, roofers and homeowners. Just a lot of good stuff happening. So, before we get into all of that, kind of share a little bit about your background and who is Crystal and Alan, and how in the world did you guys get into roofing? Wow. Well, that's a that is a long story. <laughs> who who are Crystal and Alan is a very long story. Um, I will tell you as far as myself. Um, my background is in the hospitality industry. Um, I had twenty plus years in with one of the, the largest um, 
hotel companies, hospitality companies in the world. Um, I was with Marriott for many years. I was with another company prior to that. Um, so my background is really in the, the hospitality business. Um, you know, 20 years brings a lot of things and a lot of changes. And along the way, I wore many hats, many, many hats. And um, I think one of the things that was probably the highlight of my career, Dylan, was um, I was actually tasked with becoming um, a part of a special organization within the company. And um, my goal was really to help struggling hotels. And um, as you know, Marriott is a very big franchise company. Um, so most of their hotels are owned by franchise owners. Um, they have, you know, you know, management agreements with those owners and so forth. Um, I did a lot of things along the way. Um, you know, every each and every one of them helped me grow as a person, helped me stretch. And it, you know, presented me with challenges that I had to find a way to um, to grow and stretch and overcome. And I think one of the greatest things that I was given the pleasure of doing during my time was, as I said, to help struggling hotels. Um, you know, essentially, if there was a specific hotel, maybe in a location that just wasn't performing to its capability, um, it was my job to go and fix it. And so sometimes that included um, staffing changes. Sometimes that included a complete makeover, sorry, of the hotel was one of those things where we might close the hotel down, do an entire remodel um, and reopen the hotel under, you know, often under the same brand, sometimes under another brand. And I think at the end of the day, um, seeing the result of something like that is um, it stretches you in every way, shape and form possible. It makes you grow as a person just when you think you can't do any more or you've encountered a problem that you can't, you know, get past that hurdle. Um, you find a way to do it. And so I think um, the person that I am today, I can attribute a lot to that. Um, it was sometimes challenging. Alan and I both had careers. Um, he was an engineer and um you know, had small children. And so um, that's never easy when you have people traveling and, you know, one person's going in one direction one week and one person's going in another direction the next week. And um, so there are certainly challenges along the way, but I can honestly and truly say that I don't regret one moment of anything that I um, was given the privilege to learn grow into and um, really be able to take and mold it, you know, into my own shape. That's, that's an interesting background. I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I re realized you were in hospitality yeah. for so long. Yes. Yes. Most people don't know that. Most people think that Crystal's been a roofer her whole life. <laughs> um, <laughs> certainly the construction and, you know, remodeling hotels and being responsible for those projects along the way. Um, gave me a tremendous amount of experience and and knowledge to draw on, um, but I I certainly think that um, you know it was one of the best moves that I ever made. Um, I did do other things while I was with Marriott. I had a wonderful um, you know wonderful time period during my career where I was responsible for some very high 
little accounts, do business with um, with that company. And, you know, my, my relationship, um, the ability, I should say, to build relationships and um, to really be able to provide customer service to help them meet the goals they were trying to meet. Those were things that were also developed along the way in my, in my career in hospitality. So um, my, my background, I feel like has given me the ability. And I laugh when I say this, my background is what has allowed me to have the ability that as a business owner, um, I can roll with and adapt to the things that we face every single day. You know, no, no day is like the next. And that's really the only way that I can say it. No day is like the next. And, you know, at the end of one day, um, the challenges that you might have faced or the successes that you had um, are yesterday when the new day starts, right? <laughs> when the next day starts, they were yesterday and you have to be able to um, to really adapt and be able to do that all over again the next day. Um, obviously, there are things along the way that can you know make those challenges and those successes a little easier to attain. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, every day is a new day. And with a new day comes a new set of circumstances. Some are great. Some are easy. Other days, there are challenges. And, you know, I just feel like my background is what has allowed me to get there. And if you wanted me to go down Alan's road, um, you know, Alan is the, I always say Alan is Greater American Roofing. We're all a team, obviously, and it takes every single one of us to do what we do. But um, Alan is truly the master behind Greater American Roofing. Um, he is a very technical person. He's a very analytical person. He's, you know, an engineer by trade. Um, and, you know, he is the person that he has a ton of construction background in, in you know, in his uh, lifetime and his career as well. And um, without Alan, I think we would not, I, well, there's no question, we would not be where we are today. Um, he really is the guy that can just make anything happen. That's good stuff. And so it sounds like you, with your background, I mean, you mentioned a few skills, but one of them is being adaptable mentally. And I can't imagine being in, a, in the ho- world of hotels, what kinds of things you run into, uh, but um that's that's really neat. It's interesting to, to know the skills that cross over. So, so you were in the world of hospitality. Alan was an engineer, and he was more on the technology side, right? With a with a large company, he was. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then, so at what point did you guys decide we're done with corporate America? We're going to start a roofing company. <laughs> so, so funny thing, um, you know, it's an interesting story, and when I tell it, people sometimes are like. Wow, that has to be true because you can't really make something like that. <laughs> and 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 every bit of it is true. I will say this: um, in 20, uh, 2017, early twenty seventeen, I faced a health battle. Um, I had been diagnosed with breast cancer, and um, it was one of those times in my life, probably for the first time in my, my life, because I'm a mother of three, a wife of twenty six years. Um, I, you know, loved my career, but it was one of those times in my life. I said, okay, 20 some years of giving myself to everybody and everything else. This is the one time that I have to stop everything and focus on myself. And so I made 
decision to leave my career at that time, just so I had that time to focus on myself. Um, Our oldest son was a senior in high school, and he had decided he wanted a military career as an officer. And so he had joined the Army. Um, He was about to leave for boot camp. And um, that was going to be, you know, 14 long weeks of something that he had no idea what he was facing. And our middle son, our middle child, I should say, our younger son, he was a senior or sorry, he was a junior in high school and avid golfer. Um, The kid is a natural athlete as it is, but golf is his true love. And so, you know, he spent a lot of time on the golf course and um, he decided that he wanted to do a school internship so that he could get out of school every day by 10 o'clock and go to the golf course. And so he reached out to a friend whose dad owned a roofing company. And he said, Hey, let me be an intern there. I'll do whatever you want. But, you know, I only want to work X amount of time or X amount of hours a day or days a week. And okay. So he made the arrangement and he came home and he said to us, Hey, I've got this school internship that I'm going to get credit for. And I'm going to be working with my friend's dad who owns a roofing company. I'm like, okay. I mean, that sounds great. Great for you. I'm so glad you, you know, took the initiative to figure this out yourself. And, um, he started working with them and he really, what happened was he saw what salespeople were producing at the company in terms of revenue. And he started to see the amount of money that they were making. And he said, well, I can do this and I can probably do it better than all of these people. And so he had that in his head, right? He's very much the kind of person, if he thinks he, if he believes he can do it, he will excel at it. And so he's talked them into letting him climb roofs, do roof inspections and join the sales team. And at first they were hesitant because they said, you're only 17. You know, this is probably not a great idea. How do your parents feel about this? And so he came home and he said, hey, mom, I have this paper and I need you to sign it so that I can climb on a roof. (laughs) What are you talking about? And so he went through, you know, what he wanted to do. And I, of course, mom was a little hesitant. I'm like, I don't know about that. And of course, dad was quite the opposite. He's like, hey, the kid wants to make money. Let him go. Right. Let him let him do it. And so he did, and um, he worked every every amount of time that he was not in school or wasn't playing golf because he was on the high school golf team. He was out knocking doors, and he was just crushing it. And um, you know, this it just carried on all through his senior year of high school. And um, at the end of his senior year of high school. He had six college golf scholarships offered to him, wow. some school and some at um, major universities. And of course, I really wanted him to go to, to college. And he said, I love golf, but I don't really want to go to college right now, mom. I said, wait, what? Um, anyway, long story short, he convinced us that he didn't want to go to college at that time and it wouldn't be the right move for him and that he wanted to work and he wanted to save money and he wanted to, you know, play more golf and some things that were just his choices in life, right? It was the things that made him happy. And as a parent, you have your idea 
of what you want for your children. And sometimes it's very hard to get past that when their idea doesn't align with yours. I mean, I went to college. I was a college graduate. I have a master's degree. And so I always dreamed that my kids would want to do the same. Um, our oldest son had come back from boot camp. He had enrolled in military academy. So he was getting his college degree. He was going to, you know, commission as a second lieutenant in the army. And, and I just thought, wait a minute, this is so off the track of what I thought I wanted for you. Right. But it's what it, what I finally had to realize is that it didn't matter what I wanted for him. It mattered what made him happy. And Alan was a huge part of that because it was much easier for him to accept than it was for me. Um, but when you see a kid out there, he, the passion that he had, I mean, he would work seven days a week knocking doors because he just had so many goals for himself that he, you know, would do whatever it took to get there. And so um, he was doing great and made the decisions that he made. And um, eventually, you know, you you just had to be extremely proud of for the passion and the drive that he had, regardless of what he wanted to do with it. And so um, that went on for about a year, I guess, year and a half, another year and a half. And I'm maybe a little off on my time, but I will say another year and a half. And he said to my husband, hey, let's, let's, start a roofing company. And um, in the process, there was a short time period there where, you know, he and Alan um, did some partnering with the company that Cameron was an intern for. And um, eventually they just decided they wanted to do it on their own. And he said, dad, you've built custom homes all of your life. You've been, you know, doing that for years. You, you in construction, your your background is in in technology world, but still in the construction side of it. He's like, we can do this. And um, Alan took some time, and about two weeks later, he went back to me and said, "Okay, make me a make me a business plan and give me a proposal." And um, so he Cameron went to his brother, older brother, who was still in college at the time. He said, "Hey." let's put together our plan because, you know, this is going to be a family owned business. So this is you, dad, myself, meaning our, our, our younger son. And um, they basically presented their father with a plan and said, this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to do it. And um, we need you to help us make it work. <laughs> and so Cameron had been doing this, like I said, probably by that time, about three and a half years, maybe three years, something like that. And so, um, you know, he had a great amount of sales knowledge. He understood, um, you know, the difference between retail and insurance claims and things like that. Um, but, you know, obviously, you and I know there's a whole lot more to it than that. And so um, he was very smart in no that he needed um, the knowledge, you know, his brother was in, in you know, in logistics in the military. Um, his father was an engineer and understood construction and custom home building and so forth. So he understood that it took more than just him to make it work. And so um, really Greater American Roofing was truly born from a kid, you know, deriving this idea at 17, barely 17 years old, that he needed a way to get out of school every day so that he could go to the golf course earlier. 
<laughs> that's really the story of how Greater American Movement was born. Wow. <clears throat> I did not know that. And so by the time, so he, by the time he presents this plan and you guys give it a green light, how old was he then? 20? Um, 19. 19. Good 19 degree. and a half. Mm-hmm. 19. And almost, I guess he was almost 20 because he's I mean, 23 now so there are a lot of business owners that have been in the business 20 years and still don't have a business plan i mean that's just right? incredible. that's just incredible <laughs> well you know i will say his wasn't super organized or structured it was on a notebook with a you know and handwritten with a pen but at the end of the day he he had the ideas he knew what he wanted to do he knew how he was going to build the relationships and the connections to um hit the ground running and when someone comes with to you with the drive and the passion and um, that much thought at least already invested into it, um, you, you, you really can't dismiss it, right? Um, it's something that I don't see from today's generation of teenagers. Most don't have that thought process. They don't have that um, clarity on what they want to do, let alone how to make it work. And so when when someone comes to you at that age with that type of um, mentality, you know, you can grow and foster that or you can squash it. And obviously it would have been such a shame to try to squash that. So. So your son basically sells you guys on the roofing business. Completely sells us on the roofing business. And yeah. you guys decide we're going to do this. This is a good idea. We see the 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 potential here. And when so when did you guys decide to go ahead and start Greater American Roofing? Was that 2019? Mhm. 2019. Yes. 20 2019 20 wait, hold on. <laughs> 20 um it was actually 2020. It was right as COVID hit. 2020, right as COVID hit. Perfect time to launch Perfect a, a timing, company right? where you're interacting Everybody with people. Said, what are you doing? <laughs> All right. And so when you guys got started, you're in the, you, what area of Georgia are you guys in? We're in the north side of Atlanta. North side of Atlanta. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And my my knowledge of Georgia geography is not great. I have a friend that lives in Alpharetta. And I know where Savannah is and I know where Atlanta is. And that's about it. Yeah. So we're 15 minutes from 15 to 20 minutes from from Alpharetta. Okay, man, that's a beautiful area. It is a gorgeous area. So when you guys got started, you know, I see posts on Facebook of these roofs you guys are doing. And some of them are these huge homes, Mm -hmm. massive roofs, lots of copper and, and all that stuff. So when you guys got into the business, did you decide Hey, with our unique background and experience and our network, we're just going to focus on higher end homes. We did. We did. I actually, when they presented me with the idea and they said, we really need your help. I said, um, let me think about it. I just, you know, I just finished getting a complete clean bill of health and, um, you know, had a 13 year old, 14 year old daughter at that time. And I said, gosh, I just, I don't know. Let me let me think about this. What's it going to take from me in order to do that? And um, I don't. I'm not a person that goes into anything um, without knowing that I can invest and give 150. percent And so I had to ask myself if I was ready to do that. And so I did give it some thought, and I did a lot of research. And as I said, Alan has built homes his whole life. So, you know, construction for us wasn't new. Um, I just didn't know about a singular focus like roofing, right? 
And so um, I did do some research and, and I, so I went to them and I said, okay, you guys, here's the deal. I will help you. And I will give you everything that I can possibly give, but I have an idea and you have to at least listen to it and hear me out. And I said, I think that there is a huge vacuum, a huge gap in the market with people that truly focus on luxury and quality and high end um, roofing and exteriors um, because what I found during my research was most companies in this industry are very focused on volume. And um, I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to be like anyone else. And, you know, I could only find two or three companies in the industry that I felt truly, if I were a homeowner and I was sitting here with a, let's just say a $10 million home, right? And it had a roof that was extremely extraordinary. And, you know, um, I had no idea what to do. I knew that in my gut, I would want somebody that I knew that could handle a project like that and that I could fully trust could handle a project like that. And so I said, I want us to be that person. And I laid out my plan and they all kind of shook their heads like, I don't know about this. I don't know if this is going to work. Like, is there enough business like that out there? And um, and I convinced them that, you know, not only is there enough business, but there's not nearly enough people in the industry to serve that type of customer. And I just knew I wanted to be the person to serve that type of customer. And um, they just, you know, eventually said, okay, we'll, we'll follow your lead. You know, you you lead the way and we'll follow your lead. And as I, you know, kind of said in the beginning, if I didn't have a guy like Alan Watterson in my corner, I don't know that I would have made the same decision, but I knew him well enough um, in being married at that time for, you know, 22 years or what have you. I knew that whatever I could lead us to, um, he was the guy to make it happen because he really is an extremely um, methodical and brilliant person. And um, he is just the kind of guy that you, you know, you want in your corner when it comes to something like that. And um, I had 100% faith that whatever I came up with, he could deliver. <laughs> I'm sure he was probably at times like, what is she dragging me into this time? <laughs> But um, I, I knew that that was our path and I knew that the, that path would be successful for us. And, um, you know, I don't regret one minute of it. I don't regret one minute of it. The projects that we have been so privileged to be able to do, and I truly and, and honestly say privileged because we are, um, you know, it's a dream. It really is a dream, a dream, dream come true. I'm sorry. I can't talk really is a dream come true to be able to, you know, have a vision for something and to really see that come to fruition. And, um, I look at our gallery of photos and I look at our, our pictures and some of our awards. And I think, you know, I could not have done this without the grace of God for certain and without a guy like Alan and two sons who 
I have to, I have to say, you know, the Lord definitely blessed me with them as well. <laughs> um, I have, you know, two sons that are just truly incredible and their drive and passion and their willingness to do whatever it takes to make something work and be successful. Um, you know, I, I've seen them both work 24, 48 hours straight without going to sleep because something wasn't exactly where they wanted it to be. And so um, to have, you know, kids like that, it's um, every now and then I say this and it still makes me a little theory to think how blessed I've been so yeah that's quite a story <clears throat> that's great and so so you guys decide to start on hiring homes um and do what I mean what kind of roof systems are we talking about do you guys get into slate and stuff like that or is it more shingles yeah. and metal um we do obviously we do a lot of designer shingles um and uh, most of those have a lot of, you know, high-end components, um, handmade, hand-fabricated copper, um, whether it be, you know, just something as simple as valley metal and the flashings, or whether it be really, really large parts of the roof that are standing seam copper and things like that. Um, we also do a lot of cedar shake. We do a lot of slate. Um, we use... Yeah, actually um, have been doing a lot of DaVinci products. So, um, you know, a lot of, of homeowners in this area have made the decision to go back with something that once they remove a slate or a, um, a cedar shake, they'll decide to go back with something synthetic that, you know, they feel like is less maintenance throughout the lifetime of their, their roof. And so um, we do a lot of synthetics. Um, so, yeah, I feel like we you know, we have dabbled with many different brands of products. Um, we all obviously have our preferences of each. And I think, you know, if you ask 15 contractors, you'll hear 15 different answers as to what that preference is. Um, we found what ours is. Um, we, you know, have... We've changed products throughout the time. We've gone from maybe one type of synthetic company to another other brand of synthetic company. Maybe there was just something about it that we liked better, um, whatever. And so you know, we we have um, a lot of designer and a lot of synthetic installations and a lot of hand fabricated copper and metal. So what would you say is your favorite right now? Ah, uh, it's hard to beat that shine of brand new hand fabricated copper. <laughs> To me, there's nothing more beautiful in the world than a hand-fabricated, beautiful, shiny, brand-new copper. And I've even had clients say, oh, it's too shiny. Can you make it Pantina faster? Wow. <laughs> like, but wait, wait, what? It's supposed to look like that. Um, so, you know, for me, it's hard to beat that. I love the look. There was, I think, you know, for me, I'm always looking for the result. And... Um, with that, the result is just so obvious. It's just so elegant. So for me, I love that. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of the Da Vinci products. I love them. And um, I will tell you that um, we started out as a GAF installer, certified installer. And I still love GAF, but um, I have come to love the ICO designer products and the ICO, you know, class three and class four rated products. It 
gives me the ability to give my customers something that they want that they're going to possibly get a discount for from their homeowner's insurance and still know that I'm installing a good product. So we... um, we have used all different things. And as I said, for me, it's hard to beat that the, the look of that shiny copper, but we've done some Da Vinci products that honestly, we've removed wood shake and, and installed a Da Vinci. And, you know, the homeowners, myself, all of us are standing there in, in awe saying, I had no idea that it was going to look like this. And so, you know, we, we all have our preferences. If you asked Alan, he would probably give you a different example. Uh, you know, Cameron has his favorites. Alec has his favorites. Um, me, I love the Da Vinci Slate. I love the, um, you know, I love a lot of the Da Vinci products. And again, um, seeing the result of creating hand fabricated copper components like that, is, it's, it's hard to beat that. So if you guys, you know, you're, you're doing these, custom homes and bigger homes and and using these products. What's the biggest lesson you've learned about using DaVinci? And they're not like, they're not a sponsor of the podcast. I have nothing to either promote them or not, or not promote them. You know what I mean? But like, what's the biggest lesson that other roofers listening to this that you could, what's the biggest lesson you've taken away from working with DaVinci that you wish you would have known before you installed your first few? that it's not as hard as what you think it's going to be, right? Um, I was scared of it. At first, I looked at it and I said, how does this install? And so I, you know, all of us, every single one of us, right down to my production manager, our crew leader, um, our in-house crew for Georgia, you know, the crew leader, he's reading, we're all reading feverishly the installation guides saying, do we, are we going to be able to do this? Do we know what we're doing? And that's been a few years now. So, you know, now it's like putting on your socks in the morning, but um, I remember looking at it and thinking, Ugh, this is a very expensive mistake. If you mess this up <laughs> and um, what we realized, you know, we had a great um, Da Vinci rep that came in, did demonstrations for our crew. And he said, don't be afraid of this. It installs just like a shingle. And um, that one was one that was really difficult for me. You know, I've watched our team hand fabricate copper that, you know, the Seam panels were so heavy that each single individual panel had to be, um, you know, lifted to the roof with a crane, right? That, for some reason, was less scary to me than looking at the Da Vinci and thinking, how in the world do we install this if, you know, if they've, if, if they've never done it? And um, thankfully, we have such a phenomenal crew in, in our in-house crew in Georgia they're always willing to do anything, even if they've never done it. Um, they're willing to try anything. And um, God loved them. God blessed them. And God has certainly blessed us with them. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. It's like, even though you know other people have done it, when you look at a really costly scenario like that, it's like crossing a big river and you see these it stones is. sticking up. With, and with no you're thinking, <laughs> okay, I just watched somebody else jump to that stone and it held it held up and they're safe, but now I have to jump huh? to that stone and it's totally different. Uh, so it's, it's so, it's so funny, the unknown. 
Mm-hmm. So let's shift, gear, let's shift gears and talk about challenges. You guys are running a very successful company. You're you're moving and shaking in the in the world of roofing with with great resources, and you guys have proven that you you know what you're doing. Um, but we all know that running a company, especially from zero to now, comes with challenges. So, what would you say is one of the biggest challenges you guys have faced as you? You launched in the midst of COVID and went high end as a family. As a family. I mean, I think that's probably number one. <laughs> um, working with your family, you have, um, you know, some very different personalities, yet somewhat you're all moderately the same because you have kind of nurtured that environment that everybody's been in for the past, you know, few decades. And so I think working with family in general brings its own challenges. Um, I would say that um, once you get past that and you, it, it takes a lot of respect And as a mother and as a father, Alan and I being kind of the leaders of Greater American Roofing, um, especially early on, I think it was real easy to cross some boundaries of saying, do it my way because I am older than you or more experienced than you or just simply because. I'm mom and dad, right? <laughs> and so you 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 can easily cross those boundaries and just say, I want you to do this because I told you to do it this way. And what I realized is that you had to, we had to step back and really look at each other with a certain amount of respect and um, say, you're a business owner, you're a business owner your business owner and your business owner. And we may not always see things the same way, but we have to listen to one another. We have to be respectful of each other's opinion. Um, I think it's hard enough to be a business owner. Um, As I said, I'm a person that gives 150% all the time, um, no matter what it is that I commit to. Um, But to do that as an employee and, you know, corporate America is entirely different than the balancing act that you have to um, adapt to when you're doing that as a small business owner. And so you take the challenges that come with learning to be um, a small business, a small business owner and not just an employee. And you couple that with the fact that, you know, the primary decision makers are, you know, your family, your, your, whether it be your husband and your kids or your, your, you know, your spouse and your dad or whatever it is. I think um, you combine those two together and there's a large amount of balancing that has to go on and that each person has to um be able to stop and respect the other people. I am big on trying to respect our team in general, regardless of whether it's my production manager or, you know, our sales team or our amazing office manager, um, our crew leaders, the crew members. Um, I'm very big on everyone respecting one another anyway, but I think in the Day when it's a family situation, it's real easy to get lost in the just do it my way because you know it's my way. <laughs> right, 
Right. And for you guys with your with your business, it's just going to grow and grow over the years to, you know, whatever size you guys mm-hmm. want it to grow to. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with the, you know, this just issue of, you know, nepotism or, or for lack of a better word, favoritism, where people may join the team, but they may think, well, I mean, Alan and Crystal have got their sons involved in this thing. Right. I'm never going to be in a leadership position. Uh, how, so how do you how do you treat your your kids? And everybody else the same. I mean, that's hard. You know, it's funny you say that. So as you probably know, but I haven't mentioned, we are a a veteran-owned company, veteran-owned and operated company. As such, we love to hire veterans. Um, My son being a veteran himself, um, (laughs) it's been interesting because a large amount of our team members have come from the military. So they've either come from the National Guard or they've come from the Army or they've come from, you know, graduating the same military military academy that he went to. And so a lot of our team members are are military veterans themselves. Um, But it's funny, even more than that, um, some of our team you know, I have known since they were, you know, eight, nine years old. Um, one of our guys, one of, you know, what I always say, he's such a key, key part of our team. He actually moved here from Indiana to um, work in the, the Kentucky region for the company. I mean, I'm sorry, the Georgia region for the company. And he, I have known since he was about eight years old. Um he and and my sons grew up in the same neighborhood when we lived there at that time. And so um, I always say I treat all of them like my own children and um, I don't treat them like kids, but I do treat them the same as though they were my own children. And it's just something that I I want each of them to know. I care about you the same way that I care about Alec and Cameron. Um, You're a part of this team and you're a critical part of this team. And whatever I would do for them, I would do for you. And so I've kind of always approached it that way. We're a very tight knit group here. And I, so I think for me, um, I've always approached it and said to each of them, I'm going to treat you the same way that I would treat Alec or Cameron. So sometimes that's good. And sometimes that's bad. (laughs) Sometimes that means if you make a mistake, then, you know, I'm going to come down a little hard. Um, but I'm also extremely understanding and I don't, um, I can truly say, I don't think I show favoritism. As a matter of fact, um, if anything, I'm probably still a little harder on Alec and Cameron than I am anybody else. But at the end of the day, I truly care about each of them as though they were my own kid. That's good stuff. Yeah. And I mean, it sounds like you guys just have such a tight knit group. We do. And it's it's great that you're high, you know, with veterans, there's camaraderie there. And it's just, that's just really neat. Well, what, what would you say has been the biggest challenge with focusing on these high-end homes because I'm assuming the sales process is a little bit longer. It is dealing with more options. You're not just selling a, you know, there's enough hail hits. Let's, let's go ahead and contact your insurance company. Absolutely. That's a hundred percent correct. It's a very different sales approach. Um, I think, you know, to start it back it up from the very beginning, um, 
with the sales, um, really the sales process for a higher end home or property like that really has to start with where are you getting that lead? I assure you that we get calls for them, but it didn't start out that way when we started this business with that focus. (laughs) We were like everybody else, like, how do we go out there and make this happen? Where do we find our style of customer? And, um, you know, it's it really started with um, relying upon our ability to um, identify what our customer was. So by identifying what our customer was, we were able to identify where do we find our kind of customer, right? Where do we find people that fall into the parameters that we've kind of set? And then from there, once you make that identification, it's a matter of putting yourself out there and and uh, putting yourself in the presence and the right place and the right time of being with people that um, I you know that match what you've identified. And so it is a different type of sales process. Um, you really have to be great at networking. Um, you really have to be okay with being uncomfortable sometimes because you are putting yourself in situations where this might not be the average person that you hang out with, you know, just because Cameron, um, has, you know, um, an amazing um, network of people that he plays golf with doesn't mean that Alec has that same network. So Alec's network might look a little bit different as we hire and add to our sales teams, whether it be in Georgia or Kentucky or Indiana, South Carolina. It's something that we preach to them and teach them about how to truly set up the network that's going to allow you to be in the right space at the right time to um, make those those relationships or build those relationships with the right type of people. Mm, that's good stuff. Gosh, we could talk about that strategies on how to do that for that, a long time. That that's and and that was one Dylan that I think it took us a little while to define. Um, you know, it's like everyone says, you know, you have to define your avatar, right? And so you start there. And then each step from there is a building process off of that. And um, I think the largest mistake that I see people make in this industry, and believe me, I make my own fair share, so definitely not knocking anyone else. But I think the thing that I see people um, routinely overlook is that they don't identify who their customer is. Um, the roofing industry notoriously is, you know, storm chasing and it's this and it's that, and I'm not knocking any part of it. Every part of it, I'm certain has served a critical purpose, but I do think at the end of the day, a lot of people are just saying, I'll just knock on every door and every, you know, crack and crevice until I, um, can produce the volume that I want to produce. And I think you miss a lot of key components along the way if you do that, because until you identify, you know, what kind of company that you want to be, and then you identify the type of customer to match that, um, I'm not certain how you ever, you know, you ever get to a point where you're not just knocking on doors and hoping that someone answers. No, that's good. 
That's really good. So what would you say is is some advice or just one big thing that you want, want to impart to people listening to this that want to get into the higher homes? Obviously, don't do it in Georgia because they've got Georgia <laughs> covered. But other than that, okay. what's uh, what's 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 uh, just a great piece of advice you could give? Because you guys are thriving in this area. This is not something you're dabbling in. Uh, people can look at your website or see yeah. your posts to to realize that this you guys are really really rocking and rolling with these higher end homes. Yeah, you know, and and ironically, it's not just been Georgia this year. We've really um, we've really developed our um, Kentucky office and sales team there and um, truly focused on getting the right people and putting the right people in the right seats on the bus. And so Kentucky has been a huge market for us this year with a lot of these higher end um, luxury style homes. Um, I don't know how much opportunity you have ever had to be in Kentucky, but um, you know, to me, there's, probably not a more beautiful place in this country than um, really the Lexington, Kentucky area. Louisville, very different market, great market, but very different. It's um, um, more, yeah, you know, a lot of uh, younger, younger um, attractions, I should say, Um, things like breweries and all that. And then there's Lexington and it's still very horse, equine, um, you know, oriented. And so it's been a great market for us this year. So we've, we've really enjoyed our time in, in Kentucky this year. Um, that being said, as far as the advice I would say that I would give to someone is first and foremost, make sure you have a plan for how you're going to um, spend your capital, Right. What we learned early on was when you get into projects like these, they don't finish at the same pace that somebody builds a 25 square house, right? Um, Often there are multiple pieces and parts to this. And we've done houses that we may have completed the roof in um, 200 squares in, you know, three or four days. But then it took us an additional four weeks to just complete the copper portion of the roof or the copper components. Um, Da Vinci, you know, let's just say we were doing or even a cedar shake or a slate, you know, what um, might take someone the same size at home to do in a shingled roof and they can finish it in two days. You know, it might take 10 or 11 days to really have it perfected or longer, depending on what all goes into it. Um, You know, we make we have times where we make custom copper chimney caps and, you know, um, custom copper ventilation pipes and things like that. That stuff doesn't happen overnight. All that stuff has to be fabricated. And so you're spending the money, right, to buy the materials and all of that. And then you're taking your time and fabricating it and doing all that. And then you're installing it. And so um, we... We learned very early on, you have to understand your operational costs. You can quickly get into a situation projects that size where 
um, you're overextended on capital and, you know, not have, I mean, literally, I know companies that have been in that situation and they didn't even have the money to make payroll because the project took longer and they hadn't even collected any money yet. It's been all that, you know, so I would say understand your operational costs and make sure that you truly have the capital to fund those types of projects. Yeah. And you're, you know, we, I know this from talking to you in our, in our mastermind groups with Limitless that you are very detail oriented about the numbers. You're the chief financial officer of greater American roofing. And I know it's, it's something that's, that's, uh, that's on top of mind for you. And, and, you know, it's interesting to me coming from the outside in as well, a few years ago into the world of roofing, uh, how the high cash, um, the high cash flow component of roofing um, but how the AR, the accounts receivable side can be so messed up, especially for people doing a lot of storm restoration work. Mm-hmm. It's just, um, yeah, it's a, it's a new big challenge. You know, I always tell people, people ask me, well, how do I get into new construction? I want to build, you know, apartment complexes or this or that. And I don't discourage anybody from doing that. I think we just took a leap of faith and jumped into it when we did it. Um, but again, it's a very different world in terms of your expenditures and your AR and, um, you know, really being able to see the fruits of that labor. And I always tell people, if you're jumping into new construction, please don't be misguided and think that, you know, you're going to pay you know, 10 days after you're finished with that portion of the project, because it just doesn't work that way. You know, developers have, different things, different, you know, there's phased billing depending upon what you're doing. And there's all these things that go along with it. And um, I wouldn't want anyone to go into it, not being able to truly afford to expend that money without knowing whether they're, they were going to, you know, be paid in a net 30 or a net 45 or a net 90 or, you know, whatever those, whatever those parameters say. So I, I say the same thing about these large um, luxury projects that I say about new construction and things like that. Be very careful, careful about understanding your financial position before you take that on. Good. Yeah, that's a good, good piece of advice. <laughs> and I think for anybody for anybody listening to this, if you want to learn more about Greater American Roofing and um, Crystal Watterson, of course, you can do a Google search for their their website, Greater American Roofing. You can go to greateramericanroofing.com or you can go to our Facebook group. We have a private Facebook group that's about 95% roofing owners called Limitless uh, GPO. And you can post about commercial roofing, ask, ask a question and tag Crystal in that post or mention her in the comments or something, if you guys want to collaborate and and learn more about that, because Greater American Roofing, you know, they're really thriving in this area. And I think it'd be great for people to connect with you guys. Absolutely. I, and I'm always happy to help. I don't have every answer, but um, you know, the ones that I do have, I'm more than happy to share that information. And, you know, for me joining Limitless, we were probably one of the earliest members, I would imagine. And, you know, joining Limitless seemed like a no brainer to us. Um, I saw immediate benefits. I know just as simple as the rebate. Um, We no more joined than we had a very, very large order to place for a very, you know, big project. And that initial, um, that initial order covered my membership fee with Limitless. So it was a no brainer to me, but I will say this, 
what I didn't expect and what I've been extremely happy and surprised about was the knowledge that I have taken away from each and every one of our mastermind calls. Our mastermind calls have been incredibly amazing. And um, there's people that are young in the industry. There's people that have been doing it for quite a while. And there's all of us in between. And um, I can truly say I look forward to that call. I think I've only missed one, maybe two. Um, But I truly look forward to the call because honestly, I can say that every single call I've taken one, at least one thing away from something that someone said in there and implemented it into our business and it's made a difference. So for me, I I can't give kudos enough to Limitless. Um, It's hands down a no-brainer. So good. Yeah. Thanks for me. Didn't ask for that, but thank you so much for... (laughs) For, for mentioning that. Yeah, you know, we're excited to bring owners together. A lot can happen when we when we team up together. Um, we were talking about this earlier today over lunch with another one of our members, um, Weston Quick, with Clutch Roofing here in, in the in the Dallas DFW area. And we were talking about the idea of Navy SEALs. You know, when you, you hear Navy SEALs, I love reading books about Navy SEALs and YouTube videos and stuff, but they all yeah. refer to themselves as every Navy SEAL says, I'm a team's guy. It's always the teams, the teams, the teams, even though most of these guys are skilled enough to go do some pretty incredible stuff on their own, on their own, absolutely. but they don't operate alone ever. It's always a team. And that was our vision with Limitless is like, what can happen if we bring roofing owners together and the the mastermind's my favorite part too. I mean, I think the the rebate program's awesome. The discounts with, with um, other vendors and companies that we've, negotiated are awesome but but man the mastermind is like that's the most exciting part because i agree you see the light bulbs go off you see the Mm -hmm. light bulbs go off oh absolutely as each person is talking you see the light bulbs go off and 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 to see somebody come back and implement that one thing you know that one little thing that they probably that the person saying it probably thought was irrelevant um you know, to go back and take like one little widget like that and implement it and see a difference is, uh, gosh, worth every penny that I could have ever spent to join. So good. Well, thank you for that testimonial. Well, before we before we wrap this up, what's one parting piece of advice for our listeners? If you could, if somebody said, what's the best advice you can give me based on your experience in this industry with Greater American Roofing as a fellow roofing owner, what would that be? Oh my gosh, there's so many if I had hours. <laughs> yeah. um, but I would say, you know, you said it best. I'm a numbers person. Um, the numbers are are the most key part to me because I have scorecards for everything that we do. And, you know, it's from the customer experience and the customer satisfaction to, you know, you know how, how closely did we stay on budget for the project? So know your numbers. Don't just know your numbers for a project because that's a, that is such a common mistake in this industry. People say, here's how much money I have to do this and here's how much it's going to cost me. Okay, yeah, I can do this project, right? But at the end of the day, that doesn't take into account 
what your true financial position is and your true overhead costs and the things that you have to account for to really create a healthy long-term company. You know, for us, it's really important that our company is healthy long-term because the amount of, of, you know, capital or the amount of money that people are spending on the types of projects that they do with us, they want to know that we're roofing is going to be around in case something happens five years down the road, right? They need to know that and they need to feel that from us. And so I'm very, very big on making sure that we're creating a healthy company so that I can live up to that promise. And so um, I tell people all the time, if you don't know how to get to your numbers, call me, text me, Facebook message me. I will help you. I will give you a full formula to help you truly get to what your true overhead and your company's um, you know, health and, and profitability, real profitability is. Um, I can't stress enough how important that is because it's, it's, it's short-term important and it's long-term important. That's so good. Know your numbers. And if you want to interact with Crystal on a monthly basis, just join Limitless and you can right. uh, chat with her in our mastermind. But I want to encourage any any roofing owner out there Send Crystal a, a friend request. Join our, our Limitless Facebook group. We've got about 1,100 roofing owners in there, and uh, you can engage more. Um, but Crystal, thank you so much for joining the show. really appreciate you awesome. giving us kind of a behind-the-scenes look at your business. Thank you so much, Dylan. I appreciate you having me on today. Have a great day. All right. That concludes our talk with Crystal Watterson. I love how she shares the challenges they've faced the things they've done to overcome those challenges and really develop a niche market. So guys, if that was helpful to you, please do us a favor and rate and review on iTunes. And if you want to get plugged into our community, definitely join the Limitless Facebook group uh, online to connect with other owners. And if you're curious about how we can save you money and time with our buying group, just go to our website at roofinggpo.com and schedule a short call today. All right, guys, this is Dylan McCabe with the Limitless Roofing Show. I will catch you in the next episode.